Hey, thank you for joining us today for this live discussion. Our topic today is about diversity and women in leadership within the fintech industry. My name is Jared Wright. I'm the marketing lead here at Chargebacks and uh, FI911. I'm going to talk briefly at the top to introduce this episode, but given my lack of qualifications to talk about today's topic, I'm expected that my role, I expect that my role will be fairly limited. Um, this is the second episode of the FinTalk by FI911 series. We're still playing with the formatting of these events, but our ultimate goal uh, with this series is to interview view different thought leaders in the payment and FinTech space. Um, we hope these conversations will be insightful for those currently in the FinTech industry, but we also want to create a show that has a broader appeal to the larger business world. Um, we have some questions that were asked by people when they registered, but I also encourage those of you attending the live event to ask questions. Um, but without any further ado, let me go ahead and introduce our guest. I'm going to start today with uh, Monica Eden Cardone. She's the co-founder and COO um, at FI911 and Chargebacks911. Uh, Monica, could you take a little bit of time at the top and tell us a little bit about, first of all, what is FI911 and, and tell us a little bit about your story? Sure. So uh, Chargebacks911 pretty much does exactly what it says. We are completely focused on providing solutions for chargebacks, um, but on the merchant side of the spectrum. And FI911 stands for financial institutions. We can't lose the 911 because this has followed us for the last decade. And we currently do business all over the world. We provide solutions for financial institutions related to chargebacks and disputes and automating the entire process end to end. And we also provide solutions that connect with chargeback data, such as merchant onboarding, uh, risk management solutions for acquires and merchant monitoring. As far as chargebacks 911 and FI911, we've created the two brands to help divide the markets that we serve. Chargebacks 911 is focused on merchants whereas FI911 is financial institutions, PSPs, and banks in the payments industry. Is that okay? That's great. Um, okay, the next uh, guest we have today is Angela York. Uh, Angela is a co-founder and managing director of Sky Parlor. Um, Angela, could you take a little bit, uh, a minute and tell us a little bit about your story and about what uh, Sky Parlor does? Yeah, so, Hi everybody, it's great to be on this podcast today. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I uh, am Managing Director and Co-Founder of Sky Parlor. Um, Sky Parlor is a uh, global FinTech public relations consultancy um, and we do strategic uh, messaging for clients. We have clients on all four corners of the globe um, and FinTech is thriving and the best industry to being so for all you women out there that are thinking about joining this sector you've definitely come to the right place um i i've been on a, a journey over the last um few years of making myself uh, a founder but also a leader in in this sector and you know along that sort of journey there's been ups and there's been downs and i'm looking forward to sharing some advice today and also, you know, sharing some of my, my stories, warts and all with you. Our next guest is Audrey Matupi. She's the CEO at System Logic Group. Uh, Audrey, can you take a, a moment and just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what System Logic Group does? Great, thank you. It's good to be here this morning. Um, Systemic Logic is a global financial digital innovation company 
focusing purely on data, digital innovation. Um, for all of you who are out there, all the data scientists, you know that nothing moves in the fintech world without the information and the liquid gold that is data. We work mainly in financial services. A lot of the work that we do is really uh, in the tech space, uh, building uh, whether it's minimum viable products, uh, managing everything from a business process engineering to cybersecurity monitoring and watching. And, and for me, it was a fintech that is not only in South Africa, but across, across the globe, uh, purely around financial information and financial digital problems and enabling decisions, fast decisions, uh, both in established financial institutions and for up and coming fintechs. Um, when we're talking about women's leadership or lack of gender diversity, the industry matters. Um, with some fields, specifically, I'm thinking about um, some specific fields within the STEM space, having fewer women in leadership than others. So, um, Monica, can you start us out by giving, it a, giving us a sense from your perspective where the payment and larger fintech industry falls along that spectrum? Sure, sure. So when it comes to, um, well, I'll tell you a little, a, a tiny bit about how I got started because I think that this is very relevant. Um, in fact, most people that I know didn't get into payments intentionally, it was accidental. And my story is the same. In fact, the birth of my company, Chargefax 911, started out as a problem that I needed to solve as a merchant online. And I never had any, I never had a vision of building a company that solved chargebacks or being in payments I was really just passionate about solving a problem. And I think, you know, when, when you're able to, um, to, if you have passion and you are interested in, in solving problems, then chances are you're never alone. And this is something that I've learned um, over and over. Uh, there's, you, you always have friends in all of these places. And I think, you know, there's, there's so much opportunity and innovation that you know i was afforded an opportunity to get into an industry with no experience in payments whatsoever because the industry in fintech specifically around payments is so fast growing that there's just opportunities in every single corner and because of that then there's lots of different gaps there's lots of problems to solve so as a woman in payments I found, you know, you just need to solve a problem. And it's one of those, you know, amazing stories that you solve a problem. And this is, there's so much innovation, there's so much opportunity that you're given even more opportunity to be able to grow. And I think, you know, it's, it's just a testament to how much technology and evolution and momentum we have um, currently worldwide. And there's just massive opportunity for women to get in, um, you know, from every corner. That's, that's great. And Angela, from, from your perspective, would you, would you agree with um, uh, Monica? Has, has the uh, FinTech industry, is it, is it doing better than under other industries in, uh, in terms of women in leadership roles? I think it's work still to be done. Um, I mean, the, 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 Bare facts of it are, and these are statistics from PricewaterhouseCoopers, that only 5% of women are represented in tech leadership. So if you are one of those women, which all three of us are, then we've, we've actually you know, succeeded already. Um, 
only 3% of females say a career in technology is their first choice. Um, and women are much less likely to go into technology. So it really is about breaking down stereotypes and that, that really, those gender barriers start at school. Um, and also realizing that within the technology sphere, I've been in technology all my working life. I, I, I um, have a, a degree in, in business studies and marketing. Uh, I'm a chartered marketeer, but marketing is not necessarily seen as a, a technology role. But actually, marketing is the lifeblood of any technology business. Uh, and it's how often how companies can differentiate themselves is through brilliant marketing, which you guys know at Chargebacks 911 um, all about. Um, so there's that it, it's about, you know, being in technology is not just being a coder. And even if you are a coder, you have to, you need creativity within the coding and the development department. And that that we all know that any type of team, whether it be in tech, marketing, or whatever, leadership, it needs that rich diversity of people from different, with different thought processes and different walks of life in order to create um, something that's representative of the communities in which we serve and the audiences in which we serve. So for me, um, there's a lot of work still to be done. I'm not going to um, sugarcoat that. Um, but I, I do feel that we're making progress. And I think that, you know, just, just for example, some of the award ceremonies that I've been going to for the last decade, when I first started going, there was only a handful of women in the room, but now, you know, 10, 10, 15 years on, the room is, is very much, you know, mixed with, you know, generally about 30 to 70% women and men. So, so I'm really pleased to see this gap, you know, starting to close. And also I'm really pleased to see that um, people are beginning to realize the importance of not just the dominant masculine type skills in, within the boardroom in, in tech businesses, um, but also some of those softer skills, which make up diverse thought and make up better in the end, but be better P&Ls and, and, you know, that, that we have there's statistics to prove um, that mixed environments are more successful financially. Um, so I guess that's, that's how I would answer that question, Gerard. That's, that's Gerard, I just, want, I just want to say, I, and Angela, I just want to comment on the back um, and, and also include Audrey in this. But, uh, you know, if you think about, I mean, do you guys agree that when it comes to um, women in payments, and, and I agree, like there's not, there's not enough women anywhere. <laughs> so, but, but if we look at, you know, do you think that the, the reason for that is because women have been shut out or is it because, you know, women aren't recognizing that there is like just massive opportunities for us here? Um, because I look at like the two of you are absolute rock stars and I mean, and you know, you're go-getters and I look at so many colleagues that I have in this space and I do think, you know, it's that, and even myself, I mean, it's, it's like, there's, there's just, we need to, what, what do you think is, is stopping or, you know, not not increasing the amount of women in the space. Um, <laughs> what, what do you guys think? Well, maybe Audrey, would you like to answer 
first. I can answer that too. I've got to. So, and it's good. So you started off talking about how you entered the industry through access and problem solving. And Angela is talking about the challenge in terms of just creating that critical mass uh, from uh, creating that diversity. And if I look globally, if I look at even my own experience, there's an element to it, which I would argue is beyond access and making sure that actually there's visibility. So Angela talks beautifully around marketing and the importance of marketing. There is a combination where we as women also need to find those those spaces and, and fit into them. So the three of us have found those spaces. You found a way of solving a problem. I started my journey in the corporate world. So like you, Angela, I'm almost an accidental tech person, accidental in the sense that I was in financial services, uh, leading business, solving problems, and it took running a business where we had to migrate 3.5 million customers onto an SAP platform and running daily crisis crisis meetings that I realized, wait a minute, uh, my ability to solve for some of the problems and reduce some of the waste coming out of this has nothing to do with my, my knowledge of tech. So there's a business voice that's missing in the conversation around the journey of tech. So creating access is also in the opportunities. And, and Monica, you're right, just in terms of the point around saying, if you look at yourself in payments, payments is actually something that women do all the time. E-commerce is thriving and booming because women are making the decision. So if you can make the decision around a transaction, then you should also be curious around how that transaction goes through and how that payment process takes place. So I'd argue that uh, there's three components. One is in the curiosity to find a solution to a problem. The second is in the access that is created and opportunities created for women to participate. And the third is making sure that once that access is created, that we hold various industries accountable in ensuring that that access then is opened up for women to participate. And it's not just about coding, it's about everything we do. And we focus on the digital side, everything you touch these days has a technological component, which means everything you're doing right now to manage your transactions at home, whether you, whether you right now you're busy buying and purchasing something through Alibaba, whether you're right now figuring out what Monica, what your company from a payments up solutions can, can solve for at this point in time, you're engaging in technology. Here we are, three different countries across our three different continents, having a conversation around access, around women and around platforms of payments. That's great. And the thing I think all of you sort of touched on, what I seem to be hearing is that um, that women have specific strengths that bring value to business. Um, and um, so I, I think, can we drill down on that a little bit? What specifically would you say are the strengths that women bring to the table? And uh, how do you see the growing role of women in leadership? Um, how has it impacted the fintech industry specifically? Uh, Monica, did you have uh, an answer for that? <laughs> um, Sure. Uh, so, um, I mean, I, I definitely, I think that um, in terms of, you know, it's not just about women versus men. It's also, um, you know, to Audrey's point, it's, there's cultural differences. Um, with with my experience in moving to the UK, I would not, you know, English versus English. It's different languages. <laughs> you know, there's I mean, you don't appreciate um, just the richness of understanding and, and living in a different culture. Um, and I think, you know, making sure and I can appreciate such benefits from each culture. Um, like, you know, in the U.S., we were workaholics, right? But in the U.K., 
uh, maybe there's there's more holidays. However, you know the mentality is different. It's more efficient. So there's there's pros and cons in in all of these things. Um, I think in terms of you know what strengths uh, women bring to the table or a diverse team brings to the table. I think women have a tendency to be you know we're more interested in doing things that we love. Um, we're not going to do things. We're not as motivated probably just by uh, a financial paycheck. And you hear about, I hear about this all the time that, you know, mo most volunteers um, that I've read statistics um, are, are women traditionally. And it's, you know, we're, we have those genes. We're interested in, um, you know, probably more interested in giving back and making a difference in the world as opposed to, you know, taking a look at uh, an increasing stock price. In order to have a growing company, though, you can't ignore profits and revenues. <laughs> so you want to make sure that, you know, you're you're having those drivers. Um, and there's a lot of other strengths, but let me, I'm, I'm going to allow uh, the, the other members of the panel, <laughs> because I think we all have a lot to, dip, to bring in terms of identifying all of the strengths that I think women can bring. Maybe Angela, what do you think? I, I think I'm going to start with um, somebody who I really admire. Um, I admire both of you, by the way. I think you're absolutely rocking it for other women to look at and say, yes, I can do it too. And I think we need more of that in fintech. And you, you, you are both great examples of that. But I, I really admire Jacinta Ardern, who's the um, Prime Minister of uh, New Zealand. And, and, and she put it so well, she said to me, leadership is not about necessarily about being the loudest in the room, but instead being the bridge or the thing that's missing in the discussion and trying to build consensus from there. And, you know, we all know that that story about Sheryl Sandberg and, and, so, and you know, being don't accept that you're bossy because girls shouldn't be called bossy because boys aren't called bossy they're called future leaders if they're assertive <laughs> I do still believe that there is some stereotypes that we need to overcome and I think that we all including you know I've got a son you guys have got you know daughters or whatever we also do need to, to you know to look at ourselves in the mirror when I'm talking to my son to make sure I'm treating him exactly the same as I would treat myself um but in saying that, there is some amazing differences uh, between human beings and the sexes. And I, I think what, what I, I, I guess I think is one of a really primary strength for leadership that women have. When I think about myself here, when I think about how I can multitask, you know, when, when I start, started the company up with my business partner, um, you know, we, I was the primary caregiver for my son at that point, because my, also my partner was, was starting up his own company. I was running the house. I was jointly, uh, you know, running the business with my business partner. I was organizing our social calendar for us all at weekends. I was organizing all my son's sports. I was sorting out Christmas. I was putting everybody else first. And I just think that we have an innate skill um, to be able to do that. And I think that's such a benefit that we, we you know, we, we, we can, you know, that, that women bring to the table. And I also think, you know, we are really, I mean, men are too, but, you know, women are really good communicators and cutting through to the real authentic issues as well. 
um, because we, you know, gather in groups more and we talk a lot ourselves, not about football or, you know, superficial subjects. We actually, you know, are quite more open to talk. And men should be able to do that too. I hope for the future for men that they feel that they can do that more. And I think that's coming. Um, but I think because of that, in, in um, leading other people, people feel, you know, a woman leaders often, you know, really approachable. And, and if, they, if people have an issue and they're trying to solve it, whether it be with technology or with, you know, dealing with their leadership or whatever, that, you know, often women are really good at giving that type of advice. Um, you know, not to say men aren't either. Uh, I've had some amazing male bosses in my life and people that I've, you know, great mentors that, um, you know, really, really recognize that and bring that into their teams. But the bare fact of it is, is in the boardroom, um, whether it be the executive boardroom or it be the operational boardroom, there's still not enough women. And it's not just in tech, it's in virtually every sector. So we do need to deal with that. And I think just to add to that, um, in terms of both of you, and absolutely, I agree with you, Angela, both of you absolutely awesome. It's actually in a intimidating, a nice way to be in a panel with all of you. Uh, and that's what women do. We come with a showcase of strength that is both nurturing, but also challenging um, in a way that because of the curiosity of, of being able to be problem solvers. Um, Monica, you touched on something quite important, which are the cultural differences. Um, as women, the other thing that you bring, the diversity that's showcased um, is a diversity that's in, is innately embedded also in those differences. So you put women from different backgrounds, different cultures, different experiences, there's a commonality around that superwoman construct, Angela, that you talk about, trying to be everything to everyone, but there's also an innate strength around problem solving. So you touch on that as well. So the ability to problem solve and the ability to be practical around that problem solving. I often joke and say you put, a, put one woman in a meeting with six different men and you'll go from jargon, detail, to a simplification of a solution. So in a payment system, if I come back to what you do, Monica, from a payment platform, payments are payments are payments. I need to know that there's a transaction, there's money going in and money goes out somewhere else. So yes, behind the scenes, there's a lot of complexity in how you make it all work. But how do you actually win favor with your customers? How do you solve for your various uh, retailers and make sure that they feel uh, nurtured and cared for? Uh, this morning, for example, at a meeting where the conversations in the financial sector, we have to shift from talking about a customer to talking about care and trust. Those are skills that are innately able to be brought to bed and executed uh, in a room that's diverse with both men and women because the definition of care and trust can be different to different people. The diversity that a woman brings in is care that is enhanced, uh, Angela, by all the, the things that you run around doing, uh, whether it's shopping or creating lists for everyone. In that journey of the rush of the day, you're infusing an experience that's different to what a man in a non-multitasking, singularly focused world brings to bear in a boardroom. So you're right, both of you. Yeah, I, I uh, Angela, I have to say, so we had similar backgrounds. When I started the company, I remember I had, my youngest was a newborn. And so, I, I mean, I had a playpen in our finance department. And I mean, this was my office, right? And you just, you just do it. But I think, um, you know, it, it's, I, I think we're, we're up for the challenge and probably, you know, a lot of tradition has also, um, help create those roles. Um, I'm sure 
you guys have found yourself struggling as well sometimes in thinking, you know, in order to, to really meet expectations, I can't make anything out of the box. Everything needs to be homemade. I need to have a perfect house. My kids need to be, everything needs to be perfect. And also I need to be on point with my career. <laughs> it's like the, the list is endless. <laughs> and, you know, it's been great to, to see the growth and, you know, change in technology where it's like, actually, you know what? I can work smarter. I can, and I do think this is another point I just wanted to add. Um, in, in terms of team building, uh, I think that, in, and this, it reminds me, um, I, I was talking to a, a gentleman uh, a few weeks ago and just asking him, you know, what does he like about the company that he works with? And, you know, his response and his, his boss was a woman. And he said, you know, I just feel like, I mean, I have my mom at work. And at first I thought, well, I don't know if that's a compliment. <laughs> And then, and then he says, well, the thing is, I, I, I always feel like my opinion matters. I feel like I'm like, I'm working with the team. I don't feel like I'm working for the company and I feel loved and I feel valued. And I think, you know, especially all of us have, we've worked with engineers. We've worked in a very, very competitive environment. It is so important today. Payments is super competitive you are not going to retain your team if you don't show them that you care and they don't have a voice. You really, you know, you can do so much with an HR department, but making sure that that leadership has enough diversity, um, it, money isn't enough. You know, people want more. And we've seen, you know, that all of the different perks that companies are offering in the creative, you know, avenues at the end of the day, I, I, I do think that innately women have a little bit more consideration in just making sure that people feel valued, kind of that mom nature <laughs> coming in, which which definitely um, helps. 100%. I agree. Not true. Yeah. Okay, so, so I'm going to, uh, I think we should pivot here a little bit, because I think we've talked a lot about women in leadership roles within uh, fintech industry, but um, there are probably women listening to this that are the, in the earlier stages of their career, and they may not be feeling their contributions are being valued or that their um, uh, femininity is viewed as a strength. Um, so what advice would you give to someone in that position? Um, maybe you could frame it as what advice would you give, uh, you, you, would you wish that you had received earlier in your own career? Well, just, just, I was going to say, choose the right company. Just, it's a follow on from what Monica's just said, really. Because one of the, when I was uh, young, uh, early on in my career, I worked for a company that, um, you know, it was a great company, but there wasn't the role models there. I moved to Xerox, which is, you know, you're a fantastic American company. Um, and there was all of a sudden, there was this playing field of women in senior positions. You know, my boss was a woman. She then became MD of Ireland for Xerox. The, the CEO was a woman. The CEO's right-hand person was a woman. And um, being in that kind of culture gave me a sense of the possibility for me to also lead. And also it had a really good agile working policy, even back you know, then in my, you know, earlier on in my career. 
And actually, when I moved into payments and e-commerce, it was quite a shock to me that um, I saw that kind of disparity taking place. So I would say, you know, definitely choose the right, the right culture uh, and the right, the right type of company, because that, that gives you such a big head start in the first place. Um, and then find people around you in younger in your career that you trust for mentoring and people that see something in you and are willing to give you a hand up, you know, and as I say, I've been very fortunate in my career, both with men and women um, that have done that for me. And I hope that, you know, I've been able to sort of give that back as well. And, and that's why I like, um, you know, you said, Monica, about purpose, that sense of purpose. You know, that's often how, you know, it's not not necessarily about um, money, but, you know, women particularly are driven by that sense of purpose. So find those people within the organization that believe in, in you and also that you believe in them as well. And, you know, that 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 sort of in early on really can help you to sort of have that lift. The other thing is as well is if you call out things that, that you know, not maybe, maybe not in an open environment, but if you think that your feelings or your work is, is, is not being um, seen to be valid in any reason, don't suffer in silence because people really respect you if you go and have a chat with them about how you're feeling. And it might just be a misunderstanding. And also it puts you on the map with people as well, that you're willing to be honest. Leaders have to be honest. Um, and you know, leaders are looking for other people to lead that can also have those honest, difficult conversations too. You know, and, and then the difficulty is when you're first new in your career and everything is new, um, you know, everybody's learning as they go along. Even if you've done something before, if, the minute you do it in a slightly different way, you're learning again. So have that belief and that, that you deserve that place at the table um, and, 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 and don't give it up for somebody else you know, fight for that place at the table that you deserve and make sure that you, um, you know, you maintain it um, would be my advice. So Angela, I'd like, I'd like to come in uh, right from that because the fighting for the right on the table, I would add to that is know your worth. There are two types of people yes. listening now. There's, there's the, the young professional who is in a, probably in a big organization who understands their worth, who has a probably looking to be promoted. So be bold enough to know your worth and then work through everything Angela has said, find a sponsor and engage, but be bold enough to ask for it. There's a second person probably listening today who is somebody who has a brilliant idea, has been dreaming about uh, founding and starting a company as um, um, we all have one way or the other. Take the risk, be bold enough to take that risk uh, and write down the idea. And, and when you think it's a really crazy idea, uh, then you're on the right track. And if I think about it, uh, you find somebody to speak to, someone to confide in. It doesn't have to be a woman, but know your worth would be the point in either way. Know your worth to be bold enough to ask for that promotion and ask for what you need. Know your worth to be bold enough to say, actually, I can back my idea. And then a, a second example I'd, I'd put out of there for the two types of women listening today uh, from different backgrounds, different cultures. In some backgrounds, and um, I have to thank Monica for raising this, the, the cultural diversity that comes to play. If I think about a young woman listening from um, the African continent or from Latin America, where there's some cultural issues around uh, being told that you, can, you can't actually speak up to a man if you've got a man's voice. You've been told that women belong in a certain part. Uh, you've been told if you're loud enough, you're a different type of woman. Actually, I'm here to say to you, 
just go out and get it and with respect. So just because you're demanding and knowing your worth with respect doesn't mean you're disrespecting anyone. So follow your inner instincts and have a value system. So I found that I, I, I make not constantly of the ideas that pop up my head. And I, I have a joke and a saying that says, sometimes at 2 a.m. in the morning, feels like my head is a popcorn machine because it's just popping, popping, popping of ideas. So write down those ideas because one of those is going to take you somewhere. The network, build a network. One of the things uh, as women, we are shy of, and I, I'm guilty of having made some of those mistakes in my earlier days in my career where you're almost apologetic around networking. You're almost apologetic about being out there and walking up to Monica and Angela and saying, hey, I had a, a, I listened to you. You had a fantastic speech. Please may I send you a copy of my business plan or my business case. It's, it's, it's just that boldness, network and send, because we may all be quite busy, but you might actually trigger an idea that says, wait a minute, this is a potential strategic partner for a payments company. This is a strategic partner for a marketing fintech. So know your worth, be bold enough to speak up, build that network. And from a cultural point of view, just if you have, know your value system, do it with respect, but don't do it quietly. And doing it with respect doesn't mean you can't speak up for what you want and what you believe in. No, I, I totally agree. And I have to weigh in, but there's, um, you know, I was thinking, uh, so I've spent a, a huge amount of time in India and probably, you know, similar culture um, in Africa. And, you know, not, um, I mean, many years ago, there was no women doing business. And, you know, I, I could have, um, I, I, I was offended at first, you know, I'm, I'm coming in as an American. And I mean, why is it that I can't just have my own name? I don't want to be the daughter of or the wife of. Like, actually, and, you know, um, I, I had to make a decision of, okay, what's my real goal here? Do I want to do business in India? Or do I, I, I just want to get into a fight and argue about something? Because if you look at the long-term goal, and you persevere, then you recognize the way that you grow and the way that you actually achieve leadership and, you know, and, and accomplish things, even when there's a lot of adversity, is by staying focused on the long-term goal. And this means, and I made a decision, I thought, you know what, I'm not going to get insulted. I'm going to have thick skin. I'm going to be professional no matter what. And I'm actually going to earn respect the old fashioned way. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's great advice to, to, to women around the world, you know, in, in any, in any walk, because regardless of, you know, in every single country and, and let's face it, I hate talking about um, sexism, but there, this is an issue. And, but it's not something that can't be overcome with the right attitude. If you are a professional, which is the number one thing, I think it's really difficult to be professional in every situation, but you, you don't realize, especially in payments, you will run into all the people. <laughs> it's a small industry and the world is, is connected. So it's never worth the risk of letting yourself, you know, not be professional and be considerate and then be, don't be a hypocrite. You know, it's instead it's that that, you know, age old uh, scenario of, you know, be who you want others to treat you like or treat others as you want them to treat you. And I think 
you know, really having it to your, to your point, Audrey, and, and making sure that you are focusing on that self-worth. What I've learned in my life is that, you know, self-esteem can be broken that, because that really relies on what others think of you. But if you can create self-worth based on things you've done and what you've accomplished, that's stuff that nobody can shatter. And when you have that, then it allows you to make a greater impact. And before you know it, then you realize you have won over that, that adversity and it's no longer there. And now you've achieved leadership and you can influence others. And I think there's, there's terrific opportunity in that. Um, and I've, I've just, I've seen this myself and I think, you know, women need to have just persevere and don't lose your confidence, be professional. Um, and just, you know, stay focused on, on building that self-worth that doesn't really rely on what anyone else thinks. And I think you guys can attest for that as well. Like anyone that is an entrepreneur, it is, it is a path of failing your way to success, no matter what you say, it's a windy road. <laughs> so, you know, celebrate those failures. <laughs> I have to interrupt there because you reminded me what we haven't said is that actually it's not really as smooth a road as we think it is. You reminded me of those painful moments of no one tells you <laughs> that the walls will fall in the middle of the night when actually you've had uh, 10 meetings and they've all been rejections. So the one last point from my side is if you're listening and starting up, you will be rejected. But if you know your self-worth, you'll get up. Get up, go, put that lipstick on, wear those heels, and start again the next day. <laughs> it was great. This, this has been a really good conversation. We had a, a, a few, I think, really good questions that were asked when uh, people registered. So if you don't mind, I'm going to throw a couple of them out and um, see if um, see if anybody has some good answers there. Um, the first one was asked by um, Mandy. It was an interesting question. She said, uh, what coping mechanisms have you used to control stress levels? Holiday, I would say, a good holiday. <laughs> when when the stress gets too much, take a take a break. Even if it's just from what you're doing, even if it's just to go for a walk in the park or take the the dog out or something, um, take a chill pill. Take 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 a few breaths. Um, and if 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 the stress has got too much for you, just just have a couple of days somewhere else for a different scene. Um, but you know, in the end, everything works out okay, doesn't it? You know, it, nothing's insurmountable. Um, like like Monica said, um, you know, you, you, you sometimes stress is good because it helps you to work out a problem uh, uh, in a in a you know and think in different ways. So stress can be a good driver channeled in the right way. Yeah, and I think for me, and that's right. I love cooking I mentioned earlier reading and cooking so I'll cook with my music loud and dance and uh, relieve that stress and then call a friend um, one thing about the, the, the network and the circle of sisterhood so we've spoken about the business side I don't think I would have survived without the sisterhood that I have so call that friend uh, who will remind you to laugh at yourself because you can't take yourself too seriously so find what works the holiday cooking dancing call a friend laugh at yourself and, but more important uh, for me, I always have to remind myself, just be kind to yourself. Yeah. So I, I agree. In, in fact, um, I'll tell you guys a, a funny story. So last night, actually, and I, I've had a lot on my plate, I will admit, I've needed to cope with stress lately. 
So, and I have, um, I have two daughters. And so they, they said, you know, mom, uh, maybe you just need to take a break. You need to take a break. And, you know, I'll usually go running or I'll do some type of exercise. And uh, my youngest, who's 12, turns on, you know, confident, like this um, Demi Lovato song, which is a great song. And, and, and she says, let's have a dance contest. And you know what? It was the greatest thing. And, you know, just to be silly and listen to great music. And I mean, we ended up having dance contests. I think I did like cartwheels into the wall, probably hurt myself. <laughs> but the great news is that after that, I thought, you know what? Actually, I, I can conquer a little bit more. I'm going to go to sleep. I, I now have tons of energy. Um, so I think totally just don't take yourself so serious. Turn on some crazy music you know, watch yourself do some crazy, funny moves in the mirror. I promise you won't be able to not smile. <laughs> do it with your kids if you have kids and they will definitely get you snapped out of it. So you're stress-free in no time. <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. So Monica, we, we're all going to wait for that video that your daughter is probably going <laughs> to We did a singing contest after that. Yeah, the singing, I think, may have been worse. <laughs> but you're right. It's a, it's kind of, it's a way of expressing yourself and getting rid of a bit of the stress. You know, singing at the top of your voice to your favorite <laughs> tunes. Why not? You know, it's it's a stress reliever. Okay, and and so I have one more question. I thought was a really good question. I wanted to uh, uh, put to you. Um, Mary asked, are there steps women can take individually or as a group that could help gain more ground? Angela, do you want to start that one? Well, yeah, of course there is. And I, I think, you know, a, a stake in the ground is something that we all need um, in fintech. And something that um, the three of us all have in common is um, we're on the advisory board of the Findexable uh, Diversity Radar. This is an incredibly exciting um, initiative where we're globally measuring uh, how many fintech founders there are, how many, um, the, the, the diversity within fintech businesses, how many leaders are there, female leaders are there in fintech in various different businesses of all sizes. And currently we're in the process at the minute of measuring this. And I think um, it, we will put the, um, the survey where we're filling out the survey globally at the minute. We'll put the survey in the notes of this um, podcast because I'd like to direct the audience listening today to go and fill out that survey for, um, you know, on behalf of their companies um, so that we can have that stake in the grounds. And I think from that, from the data, data's gold, you know, all of your, both of your companies you know, have such rich data that it's able to solve such amazing problems. Well, the data is a point where we can start to improve, get better incrementally and maybe with bigger steps as well. So if anyone's interested in the Findexable Diversity Radar as well and being involved in the community, um, please do let us know and we will you know, be happy to send you information on how you get involved. And, and how, how would they, would, they should just email you directly? Do you want to provide your email or what would be the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, um, it's Angela at skyparlor.com, but perhaps in the notes of the YouTube uh, as well, we can add all those details 
um, of, of who to get in contact with. But yes, please do contact me or any of us on this panel today. That's great. And, and we'll, we'll make sure to add that um, information in the notes. <clears throat> great. And I think just to follow on through Angela, I mean, one of the things I always say is what, measure, what gets measured gets done. And if you look at the work that Exabo is doing, is really trying to make sure that we can, we, the starting point of anyone working with data information is understanding the lay of the land. So if we can get as many people to fill in the survey, a, a quick, easy step that anyone listening can do if you're part of a FinTech, and the survey is not just for anyone who has a startup, it's anyone also who has those popcorn ideas I spoke about earlier. So come in there and put that information, that data in because we're then able to see what support is required. So one of the steps in trying to be part of a FinTech is a worry about, is my idea legit? Uh, do, am I able to find funding? Will someone believe me? So I think that the work that Findexable is doing, other than bringing us all together, which has been fantastic, is really trying to ensure that we, we continue to build that diversity. It's really about saying, um, let's not just talk off the cuff and say women are not represented in the FinTech space. Let's now measure it. Let's now step up and stand up and be counted. If I look at uh, Monica, the amazing work that you do from a payments point of view would be wonderful to see how many more other companies out there that have you can create synergies around. So the, the action steps from my point would be uh, as we align and create more diversity, uh, look at and see uh, who else is doing what, be part of surveys that are out there like Findexable that is putting out there as well, be part of be, be a guinea pig, go and test some of the products. Uh, right now, charge back 911, go and test and see what products are offered out there. Ask questions and more important, jot down ideas. There's no such thing as a silly idea. And, and there are resources out there, find the resources. And finally, reach out to any of us. I will be available to answer that. And Angela, thanks for that shout out because I do believe our data is the new liquid gold in more than one way. Thank you. Thank you. Right, that was great that you added that. Yeah, and networking, let's keep in mind, this is something that, you know, to, to both of your points, um, it's super important, especially given the last year, that, you know, this is how we stay connected. Um, we are, you know, we're in a virtual community, and we need that data to be exchanged to find, you know, commonalities, identify patterns, identify opportunities to improve, and connect with you know, similar companies that are like-minded. And I have to say, I think you guys are spiritual sisters because you've come dressed today. I know <laughs> <laughs> the energy, the energy created from Johannesburg to the UK. It's so hard there. I'm giving you Monica so thanks, Angela. But Definitely, you know, I agree. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you, Monica. I totally, you know, agree with that. Yeah, I, I think today's been a great conversation. Um, we're going to go ahead and end the uh, podcast, the conversation there, but uh, uh, hopefully we'll continue this uh, conversation offline and uh, we're just part of the conversation, the wider conversation that's out there. So thank you, ladies, uh, for, for joining us today. I really appreciate um, everything you had to contribute. Um, thank you.